We are in Matthew 18, uh, making our way through Matthew. We're making great progress. God spoke to us so powerfully. I hope that you uh, maybe took you a few days to get over the transfiguration because I'm still not over it. Uh, So powerfully moving in us uh, last week in Matthew 17. I hope you're reading. If you haven't been reading Matthew, uh, you still have time. Go back and read some. Let that be maybe a part of your Bible reading. Uh, You can go back and listen to the messages. All the messages are on our our website. Uh, You can can watch those there and kind of see the direction that we have. So today we are in Matthew uh, 18. Now Jesus' message in Matthew uh, throughout the gospel, he is seeking to change your mind, to change my mind about how God sees things, Uh, comparing how we see things in our own personal life, how we see things culturally today compared to having the mind of Christ, understanding the way that Christ viewed things. You know, that he didn't come just to say, hey, here, I'm, I'm here. Nope, he came to tell you God sees things differently than the way the world is around us. And so you can apply so many of these things that he's been teaching us to a change of perspective about about who we are. Instead of being self-focused and what we can gain, he is calling us to a place of humility where we lay down our lives uh, to gain Christ. Uh, So Matthew 18, uh, you know, in Matthew 18 gives us a... Uh, some language perspective that we can think about. Scripture describes and identifies the people of God by various names. Um, But more frequently than all, uh, we are called children. Children of promise. Children of the day. Children of light. Beloved children. And certainly, children of God, right? We are called the children of God. You know, this, this relationship with God in Christianity is such a family-oriented idea, isn't it? I mean, we talk a lot about him as our father. Um, you know, we know he's the king, he's supreme, he's ultimate, but the Bible says he's like your spiritual daddy. Uh, and then we are his children. And so that's the context of how he wants us, to, that Jesus came to help us. You know, it wasn't like that before Jesus came. He, he put that kind of language out there for us. Uh, we might have been afraid to call him Father. You know, we might have been calling him the Holy Omnipotent, Holy, whatever, you know, some long term. No, he's just spiritual dad. And we are the children of God. And so he's uh, reminding us that really the essence of what it means to be a Christian is to be a child of God, brought in uh, to the kingdom of God. And so he works hard to, to clarify that. Now, when you think about being a child of God, that's a positive thing. As believers, we rejoice in that we become God's children, we are adopted by his grace, and we bear his image. We bear the image of God's family, and the Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ. That means there's a lot of blessings coming our way, that we are connected to the one that has all resources. So not only for eternity, but even now. I mean, you look pretty good today. God's been pretty good to you, hasn't he? 
I mean, I, I looked around. Some of you, you drove up in here and something is still rolling and working, you know, so that's pretty good. You, you left a, a house somewhere and a closet full of stuff and a garage full of stuff and you look pretty and you look nice and you smell good. I mean, you got it made, right? He's provided for, he's our father and we're his children. Now, not only does the Bible use the term that way, but also there's a side to being children that we have to be aware of. And you are very aware of it if you have children. Because you know that the scripture says that children, in a sense, we are incomplete. We are weak. We are dependent. We are underdeveloped. We are many times immature. Uh, you, you with me? Now, I'm not just talking about that kid that just dropped off at Kid Zone. I'm talking about you. He called us children of God. And so we recognize the positive benefits, but we also see the needs that we have. So Matthew 18 focuses on those needs as God's children, as we grow in Christ-like uh, maturity. So uh, this chapter is a really a single sermon. It's a single uh, discourse by Jesus on this theme. The theme is childlikeness of the believer. Childlikeness of the believer. So here, Jesus speaks directly to us as spiritual children with all of our weaknesses that childhood implies to us. And we, we see in Matthew 18, what we're going to see here is that he's teaching us not only what it means to be a believer in the kingdom, but also how to get along with each other in God's family. And it's really not an exaggeration to say that Matthew 18 is the greatest section of Scripture given to us by Jesus on how to live as believers in the family of God, in the church. Uh, so that's really critical. Uh, I'm not just preaching Matthew so that, you know, I preach this Sunday and then I go to something else. No, I want you to know, you got to know what's happening in Matthew 18. You, you, you got to get it in your soul. You got to think about it. So the stuff we're talking about today is to think about how to change your mind or how to make sure that you understand because many of you, hopefully all of you, will go to church for the rest of your life, right? That's your plan, isn't it? You know, we baptize those people up in the baptism sometime, and I ask them every time, do you intend this to be true for the rest of your life, right? So I'm, I'm counting on you. Be in the church. Serve God for the rest of your life. But it's so helpful to kind of know how does this thing work? What, what should be kind of the characteristic of us within the, the body of Christ? Because Jesus said that people would know us by our what? By our love for each other. How we treated one another. How we, you know, we make it, we give God a black eye a lot of times in the church, don't we? Come on. No, we're not talking about here. I'm talking about over there where you used to be, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> no, man, we, we have to be careful about who we are in the body. And so, um, we reckon, so five points, just like Jesus' sermon on the, about childlikeness. And so, we're going to give you five different points uh, for us to kind of settle on this. And then we'll, we'll hit a few different places. We'll start in 18. Uh, one through four. Here's his first point. Point number one is everyone enters the kingdom of God as a what? A child. Everybody enters the kingdom of God as a child. Here's Jesus. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus. Now, at that time means that we just saw that he um, told Peter to go catch the 
fish with a coin in his mouth, and that was given. So we, we kind of saw the end of this transfiguration. Right after that, it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Don't you know Jesus just loved that line? I mean, he's been teaching them all this time about humility and about his service. He just said, I'm headed to the cross, and he's explaining all this to them. And here they are. They still haven't got it. So if you haven't got it yet, don't feel bad. God's still working on you just like he was working on them. They've been hanging with Jesus for a couple of years now, and they still don't get it. And they're thinking, Who, who's going who's gonna, to, because the implication is somebody's going to get a good seat, right? Somebody's going to get a good position out of this because he's certainly going to name one of us as the greatest in the kingdom. Notice what he does. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless, whenever he says truly I tell you, your, your ears ought to perk up. He does it over and over. The King James, he used to say, verily, verily, I say unto you. You remember that? Uh, Truly, I say unto you is the way NIV translates. Anytime you hear that, you go, okay, okay, let's pay attention to what he has to say. He says, truly, I say to you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So in the midst of this very prideful conversation he's having with them, he's telling us that you have to be like a child as you come to them. Now, Jesus uh, does it by bringing this child up in the midst of them. Now, he's not saying you have to act like a two-year-old. Sometimes that gets the church in trouble, right? Sometimes even acting like a 13-year-old. My apologies for that, but uh, he's not saying that. Because he's not talking about a physical experience. He's talking about a spiritual uh, experience. Uh, This is a spiritual, not a physical kingdom principle that he he is giving to us. So he's calling us to make changes in our life. He says, I tell you, unless you change, unless you change. Now, it's not what your wife wants you to do or what your husband wants you to do, or what your mama wants you to do. I apologize to parents. I'm not saying don't listen. Listen to your parents. Do what they say. But he's not talking about just outward behavioral change. He's talking about a spiritual transformation of who you are on the inside. He wants you to be a person of humility. Um, another translation says, you, unless you are converted Converted requires people to become like children. We lay ourselves in humility before God and put our faith in him. We turn our attention toward him, not focusing on us. I mean, a little child uh, makes no claims for worthiness or greatness like they can accomplish it themselves. You know, this might have been a little toddler that is totally uh, at the mercy of being taken care of by his parents. Uh, This humility before God is a submission for him. And he wants you to be so open he wants you to be so attentive to the things of God. You know, we, we get ourselves in trouble because we grow up physically. And then we decide that we're going to live in, in a little resistance to God. There's some of you in this room right now that have not done what God asked you to do. Right? You don't have to raise your hand. I know in a crowd like this that some of you are not being childlike in your openness to Christ. And that's what he wants you to do. In another season of my life, I spent time doing things like uh, running children's camp and speaking at children's camp. 
And um, I don't do much of that anymore. It's kind of a good, you know. Like, um, <laughs> so uh, I'm happy about that, though. It was a great time in my life. And um, I, I remember I have these images in my mind of a, uh, of a night at, at a children's camp. And uh, me and a friend of mine, one year I would direct and he would speak. And the next year he directed and I spoke. And we did that for three. We were just trying to manage all that together. And so I'm speaking at this children's camp. And there's, there's probably 100 kids sitting right in this area right here. And so um, I, I offered this invitation. And I said, uh, how many of you would just like to open your heart and give your whole life to Jesus? Uh, would, would you just raise your hand? I mean, instantly, not a wait, not, not thinking, instantly, every hand in the room, every one of them. My first thought was, they didn't understand what I said. So I said, put your hand down. And so I explained it again, you know, just really, really detailed all that. I said, okay, this time, you know, I, this is what I want you to do. If this is what you want, I mean, they're not looking around. They're not wondering what the, the one next to them is going to do. Uh, I said, okay, we're going to, if, if you want to. I'm going to have you lift your hand, and then we're going we're gonna to come and kneel at the altar. I'm telling you, instantly, just like that, every one of them, you know what I'm talking about, every one of them raised their hand, and they started moving right away. The whole place emptied out, and it was just full. you imagine that? That's childlikeness. That's openness. Uh, another part of my life, we, um, we did a lot of youth ministry. Um, Kim and I, for years, did uh, impact teams where we had these singing groups, and we traveled for... I don't know how long, two weeks or something. And uh, man, two weeks with a bunch of young people, it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> uh, just like Mission Trip, right? Just, um, but what I noticed is that we would, we would be alone, sitting in a church somewhere early in the morning. And nobody's watching. Nobody's there. And we have devotions together. And these kids, you know, Josh, they start talking. And they start sharing their heart. Like, they're, they're not pretending. They're not putting on. There's a, see, ladies and gentlemen, that's what he wants for us. As we grow up, we kind of get, you know, we get ourselves, you know, we got a childlikeness. Everybody gets into the kingdom as a child. A child in your heart, open to the things of God. Could, could I ask you that today? Have you come to Christ as a child? Have you just opened your heart to him? Do you just want to say, yes, that's where I want to, that's what I want? Sometimes you got to clean out all the clutter that's gotten in the way. But he asks you, would you come as a child? Childlikeness as a believer. Uh, number two, every believer is received as a child of God. As God's child. Every believer is received as God's child. 18.5 is the principle. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So he wants, he wants us to receive each other as children of God. Oh man, this is such an awesome scripture. Um, you know, what, what, he, what he makes sure that you know is that uh, 
You, you, you were not in the kingdom, but now you've accepted and come in. And how are you going to be received? Uh, don't you wonder sometimes, some, once in a while, somebody will say, well, pastor, I've been wanting to come to church, but I'm, not just, I'm just not sure how it's going to be. And I try to tell them how it's going to be, but I, you, you, can't, you can't do it, can you? I mean, you walk in this place, and it's just so welcoming. and Right? Right? Um, I mean, that's, that's my thing, but it's our thing, right? Uh, we want people to be received by, uh, by the church because we recognize that that's how God wants us to receive people, is to embrace them and to love them. You know, we're not, we're not judging, right? We're not, we're not making a judgment when somebody comes through the door. Some of you might be here for the first time today. Thank you so much for coming. But we could care less what you drove in or what you dressed like. Thank you for just showing up here. I don't know if you're a child of God or not. So I'm not taking any chances. I'm going to treat you like a child of God. Right? Thank you for being here. We, we got to treat each other the way that God... See, he says, if you receive my children, you receive me. So there, there's no separation between how we view each other and how we view Christ. Some of you would probably never talk to some people the way that you talk to them if you knew you were talking to Christ, all right? I mean, it would wake you up right away. He's saying, make sure that we receive each other, that we have this, this recognition of how, we, how we're going to treat people. Like I told you, he's talking about how do we deal with the people around us? How do we care for them? Um, he's talking about being received, which it means something intentional or deliberate in the way that we choose uh, to care for them. Um, he says, uh, whoever, because he, he gives the principle there, and then he's ready to say, um, you know, there's some peril to it. First, he mentions two things there. He mentions the millstone and he mentions mutilation, which basically what he's saying is woe to you if you hurt one of my kids. You ever, you ever felt like that? Like these guys are sitting right down here. If somebody gets on Ethan, watch out, right? And hallelujah for it. I mean, these guys not putting up with nothing, right? That's appropriate, isn't it? I mean, that's their job. Well, God's job is to take care of his children. And if you want to get God on your bad side, just mess with his kids. Right? That's what it's talking about. It says, woe to you if you cause my little ones to, to stumble. Now, he's not talking about all those kids in kid zone. He's talking about his children, all of us. It's not an age thing. It's a, it's a relationship with, with him as our father. And so he says, watch out. You might get a millstone hung around your neck. Or maybe you just chop off some part of your body or your, your life that is causing other people to stumble. What's he trying to do? He's using an example. He's thinking of the worst part. I mean, what could be worse than somebody hanging a millstone? It says heavy millstone around your neck. And it sounds like, you know, the mobsters or something, right? They, you know, tie some concrete boots on you and put you in the river. Right? He's not talking literally, because he's not talking about you cutting your hand off or, or, you know, sewing up your lips. He's saying, that's how drastic it feels to the father when you come against his children. He's talking to us about how we, how we treat other people. Uh, so the question is, how are you treating others? Because the example I gave you is so true. You don't know if that waitress is a believer or not. Right? You don't know 
If somebody out there, you know, maybe you say, well, I, you know, I can say whatever. No, you can't. He's asking you how you're going to treat other people because they're either saved or he wants them saved. They're either his child. Now, just because you're created by God doesn't mean you're God's child. We, we, we embrace it. You, know, you notice that it said, you, it recognized that you had to be born into it. You had, to, you had to accept it. You had to receive it. So we know that there's a distinction there, but man alive, I can't tell. It'd be nice if you just put a little red dot on their arm somewhere right there. You could just see it and say, oh yeah, that's one of the, that's a believer right there. But, but I don't know. That means I got to treat everybody right. Right? I mean, how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to think about how you're treating others, you know, it, it forces me to examine myself. How do I treat other people? How to, uh, it, sometimes it's hard to tell. Maybe you should ask somebody in your family. How do I treat other people? What is my tone like? Ooh. So you got to be willing uh, to hear that. We were, uh, we were at the hospital the other day. And there's a bunch of people in there. I mean, there's, you know, there's all kind of, there's, I don't know, there's eight or ten people probably having surgery or something in there. And so um, we're sitting there, and we got delayed, and so we had uh, an hour that we were sitting there, and that was all fine. It was, uh, and so we're sitting there, and so I, I, pretty soon I, I noticed that there was somebody else in there, and I, you know, I couldn't help but hear him. He's talking loud, and he's going to have surgery, so I'm sure that he was anxious and all that, but... Um, he say, you know, he's talking to his wife, you know, and he, I won't repeat what he said, but he, uh, you know, he said this, and I heard that, and then a little later, you know, three, four different sentences, and I said to Kim, do I ever sound like that to you? Now, I'm not judging him. I don't know what's going on with him, but I wanted to examine myself in light of that. Do you ever do that? He cares about how you treat his creation his people, especially his children. You see what this sermon's about, what he's talking about? This is his, his sermon, childlikeness of the believer and in recognizing that every believer is received as a child of God and the way that we treat others is the way that we treat Christ. Number three. Three is everyone is cared for as God's child. God cares about us all. It's really kind of hooked to the second point, but he says, again, that we are cared for as God's child. Verse 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off and he finds it? I tell you truly, see that again? Truly I tell you, he says, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. You see, he's, on the, he's focused on the same message. He's causing us to, to think about how we value other people, how we care for them. Um, uh, the rule is, do not despise uh, these little ones. And then he gives some examples. First example is... Um, Angels. Angels. You believe in angels? Well, I've I never seen an angel. Uh, I heard a lot about angels in my life. I have a grandparent that loved to used to talk about angels. Had all these little angel figurines and all that. 
But none of that matters. What really matters is that Jesus talked about angels. He was there. He knows. And he says that there are angels. Now, I don't know if that means you have a guardian angel. Maybe it does. It certainly means that the angels are in heaven and they have some involvement. That They're paying attention to how we treat God's children. They're like guardian ad litem. I mean, there they are. They're watching around, taking care, making sure from a distance that we are taken care of. And he says, better watch out. And then he gives the parable. And he says that even if one wanders off, God is still uh, reaching out to them. God cares about all of us. God cares about the people that you like, but he cares about the people that you don't like. He cares about the people that do well and the people that are not doing well because you used to be one of those that didn't do well. Get any amens on that? That's us. We were not God's children and then we were because of choices that we make. How do, you, how do you treat those people around you? He's saying these people are important to God, uh, the children of God. He cares about them. Um, angels, God's care, his concern for everyone. So, uh, again, questions. How, how is your influence? How is your walk with Christ? You see the process that we made? We come to God as children with innocence, with openness to God, listening to his voice. And then it begins to transfer into how we treat other people, the people in our family, the people that we're married to, people that we work with. And ultimately, it comes down to how are we using our influence, not because we're so great and righteous, but because we're children of God. You're, you're into this sermon with me? Amazing what he is saying to us. How is your influence and your walk with Christ impacting others around you? He, he says, what difference are you making don't be that person that is causing other people to stumble. Do something about that. Figure out how I'm going to be this person and how I'm going to treat others. And again, he's saying it in the context of who are we going to be at the church. Man, I, I want us to have a great reputation in our community. Because when you tell people where you go to church, most of the time they'll say, oh, I heard about that place. And hopefully not in a negative way, <laughs> but in how we live our lives the example that we're being, how we represent Christ. You know, because we are, we're, not, we're not really just Nazarenes. We go to the Nazarene church. We are God's children. We are his children, allowing him to use us to influence others around us. Number four, see what we got so far? Everyone enters the kingdom of God as a child. Every believer is received as God's child. Everyone is cared for as God's child. And number four, every child of God in God's family is held accountable. Whoops. It just went from like, okay, to like, oh no. <laughs> Every child of God in God's family is held accountable. Now, before I tell you about this, I just want to tell you we don't do so hot at this anymore. You know, most of the time, if you just get unhappy, people just leave the church. Just nod your head, right? You know, instead of Matthew 18 is a description of how we get along together inside the family of God because we are children of God. Uh, hear this, 18:15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they, would you say that underlined word? 
If they li- every time it shows up, would you say that? If they listen to you, you will have won them over. But if they will not, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Truly I tell you, there it is again, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Man, what a scripture. You know what that scripture says? That we are not going to agree about everything. We are not going to always get along perfectly together, but we can solve it together because of Christ. You believe that? I don't, you know, we shouldn't just be, you know, running away from our problems or dealing with, you know, we, we, we don't always see things. Sometimes we don't get our information clear and we have to work on how we're going to communicate that. And so that, that right there is a plan for how we deal with our problems among, among believers in the church. It's pretty good. Uh, we were sitting at the assembly and we, uh, the general assembly, and somebody had a, somebody had a resolution uh, right there, and I read the whole thing. And I turned to Carol and I said, we should have just wrote down Matthew 18, 15 to 20, because it's exactly what the resolution said. It was like we got a reword. I said, there it is. He wants us to know how to get along. God does not want fighting in the church. God wants us to work through our problems and figure them out and be an example of how we create peace. Notice he gives some examples. Um, The whole context is listening, right? Every one of those steps along the way, the key factor was, am I listening? Am I paying attention to what somebody else's perspective is? And so he talks about uh, going to somebody. Now, notice what was not there. I, I noticed that it did not say, go put it on Facebook. Put it on social media. Just blast them and tell them what you think about the whole situation. I don't think it said that, did it? I didn't see that. Uh, I noticed that it didn't say, go and talk behind their back. Let, let's just talk behind their back and gossip about the whole situation. I didn't see that either. Did you? Did, did I miss that? You know, we, we get messed up about this, don't we? It's so important that you know that Matthew 18, 15 to 20 describes how you should deal with your conflict. Uh, I notice that some people, you know, I mean, I might not believe this, some people use the silent treatment. I didn't see that in there either, did Not me. Your marriage, no, not him. Not certainly not him. So, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we do in dealing with our differences that are not supposed to be what the children of God do. You with me? You remember that verse up there? It said, unless you change, you got to do something different. Just because the world says put everything on Facebook, just do whatever, or talk behind somebody's back, or gossip, or handle it whatever way that you decided you want to handle it, it does not mean it's right if you're a child of God. What do you have to do? you got to call her up and say, can we talk about this? Uh, I try to be an example of this 
but it is hard. I mean, nobody wants to be going into that kind, but that's what God asks us to do because the hope is that we fix it, not run from it. That we fix it rather than just telling people what we think of them. Come on. He's talking about children of God and how we deal with each other in, in the family. And, um, you know, I told you, I'm, you know, I tell our board, you know, we don't, we don't have bad board meetings, do we, John? We have, we have great board meetings. We have spiritual, like, worship-type board meetings. Why do we do that? Because we don't fight about things. We're not going to fight in this church. We're going to work together. Does that mean I, I never have any problems or I don't have to go talk to somebody? Absolutely not. I have to do that. But I love you. I want us to work this out. I might have the wrong perspective. I need to listen and pay attention and hear what's being said. I need to be aware enough that somebody else could actually have a good idea about me. Right? Somebody else could actually be a little smarter than me. Or you. So it's a, a, an awareness of who you are that affects how you act. Don't be a child of God and then try to fix things the way the world fixes them. That's what he's talking about. We, we do things differently here. Amen? That, that's our goal. Now, everybody's not there yet, so we have, you know, we have to keep working on it and reminding ourselves what we're supposed to We're working on it because we are, praise God, children of our Father in heaven. He's given us these examples. It's kind of quiet in here, but um, I, I like, um, I really love these verses at the end of that section where it says two or three agreeing together, where two or three gather in my name, there I will be with them. That's in the context of keeping us unified, keeping us together. It's not just a verse about that the presence of God is going to show up, but even in our difficulties, God shows up. You know, if if the only thing serving God does is make me feel blessed all the time, then what good is it when things are hard? I, I want his blessing and help when things are difficult. I don't want people just leaving the church because this happened. Let's talk about it. Let's think it through. Let's pray together about it. Let's figure out how we're going to, you know, and we're, you know, I'm, you know, I know he's got all that stuff in there about casting people out and all that. I don't want to do that. I don't even think he wanted us to get there. Let's talk together about it. Or let's talk uh, uh, some of our staff together about it. Let's, get some, let's figure this out. Let's solve it together, figure out what's happening, forgive each other, and move on. And actually, that's the last point in verse 21 to 35. Uh, his point is forgive and be forgiven as a child of God. Forgive and be forgiven as a child of God. Now, I could spend a lot of time preaching this whole verse, but notice kind of the extent of the forgiveness. Peter asked, how many times should I forgive? And uh, Jesus says to him, um, 70 times 7. So not just like three times, which was kind of the Jewish standard at the time, but 70 times 7. And then he gives this example, and he tells the example of the man that had the huge debt, and he went to the king, and he bowed on his knees, and he asked him to forgive him and to forgive the debt, and the king forgave the whole debt, and it was like $60 zillion, you know? Because it's not really, num it's like numbers that are just completely out of sight, because he's not talking about a specific number, he's talking about the depth and the width of the debt that he owed. That's what we owed to God. 
you owe God a zillion, whatever. Right? You had nothing. You couldn't pay it. All you could do is get on your knees and say, would you forgive me? See, end of the story. Servant goes out, found some, somebody that has a much smaller debt. His numbers are substantial, but compared to the big debt, they're nothing. That's the picture there. He goes out, says, throw him in the, in the prison. And uh, Jesus, see, this, this is such an incredible... You should read this whole section there because he gives us the conversation, 21 and 22. The whole parable comes down to verse 34. And then Jesus makes application of his sermon at the very last thing. I'm telling you what. If Jesus tells a parable, that's one thing. But when he steps out of the parable and says something like he says in verse 35, you need to pay attention. Verse 35 says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 35 basically says they threw him into prison, threw him into the pit of hell. So that's what's going to happen to you if you don't forgive from your heart. Child of God, asking you to forgive and be forgiven. You know, all this stuff he's been talking about, you have to, you have, for it to happen in your life in relationship to other people and to God, you have to be willing to accept it for yourself. You know, like all that little conflict management and all that. You know, I've met people who love to hold other people accountable, <laughs> but they don't want to be held accountable themselves. It doesn't work like that. We're a family. We're a child of God. We're connected together. And so at some point, you got to decide that Matthew 18 is how you're going to live your life as a believer. That you you got to decide you're going to live, how you're going to deal with conflict, how you're going to deal with forgiveness, how you're going to deal with being forgiven. You know, the first thing that has to happen is you got to be willing to be forgiven yourself, to be forgiven for the things that you've done. A lot of times, there's probably some of you sitting in here that still have trouble ex expressing and accepting forgiveness for yourself. Sometimes that's difficult, but that's what God has done for you. He's forgiven the whole zillion debt, every, every bit of it. He asks you in return to be a person of forgiveness. Would you forgive others? This chapter makes you think that one of the key characteristics of being a child of God is to being able to forgive. So let's be children of God. Um, I wanted to ask you if you have a forgiveness issue. That means, do you need to be forgiven by God? Maybe you have something in your life that, is, that needs to be forgiven. Or, maybe you have a forgiveness issue because you need to forgive somebody. You're a child of God. He's asking you. Forgive them. Oh, I know we can have this conversation about oh, off, off the hook and eh, they, you know what they did. Da, da, da. I don't see none of that in there. He just says, you're a child of God. I've forgiven you a zillion. Forgive them. So we're going to close this service with a little uh, childlike faith in relationship to forgiveness. No singing, no, 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 no messing around. Uh, I just want you to be like a child. So I'm going to ask you a question, ask you to do something. And if God wants you to do it, I want you to do it right away, all right? You okay with that? Could we, could we be 
like those children. That so if you are dealing with a forgiveness issue, either in your relationship with God or with somebody else, and you know you need to deal with that, we're going to have a prayer about that right now. If you have a forgiveness issue that you need to deal with, would you just stand up right where you are right now? Thank you. In the balcony, I'll wait on you. Thinking about it? Did you do what he asked you to do? Still got time? Not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm just trying to practice Matthew 18 and get you to practice that in the way that you live your Christianity out. Because there's no judgment in this room. I have no idea why you're standing up, but I know that he knows. So wouldn't it be amazing if right here today that you had something between you and God and today he forgave it. Today it's wiped away. Today it's clean. I just want you to remember that when you come to God as a little child, he embraces you every time. You know, he, he doesn't you know, put you on probation. There is no probation. Forgiveness. Because you're his kid. And if you got somebody in your life that you know you hold in something against them, I know they're not here. You, know, you, you can't go talk to them and fix that. But that's not what we're talking about here. He asked you as the child of God to be the forgiver, to let it go, to say, I'm, I'm done. Wouldn't it be amazing if you walk out of here in about five minutes and something you've been carrying around for a long time is completely done? You believe that could happen? That's what he's preaching about. That's what he's talking about. Let's pray. Father, what a moment in this sanctuary right now. We know we need to be children of God. And being children not only means that we run into the lap of our Father and we receive His blessing and embraces, but it means that sometimes we're immature. Sometimes we've done things wrong. Sometimes we held things against other people. Sometimes we've been hurt by situations, Lord, that we didn't know what to do with. Sometimes we've had conflicts that we didn't manage in the right way. Things that we did that were, that were clearly outside of who you wanted us to be. So today, Lord, we give our forgiveness issue to you. Today, we want to receive your forgiveness. If there's some sin in our life, if there's something that we've allowed something that we've welcomed that is really contrary to your plan for us, Lord. If we've lived in such a way, thought in such a way, uh, acted in such a way, Lord, that we have clearly been outside of your plan and desire for us. If we have a forgiveness problem, we thank you for forgiving us today, right now in this place. We're sorry. We're sorry because we mess up. We don't always do it right. But we're so glad that you're our heavenly daddy. And you wrap your arms around us. And you pour out your grace into us. And you offer us incredible, unmatched forgiveness. We receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name.
If you prayed for God to forgive you, he just did. Glory to God. Now, Jesus, we're thinking about other people. Maybe we have a forgiveness issue because of something that's happened to us, a relationship that is broken, somebody that acted very badly toward us, or maybe we've used our mouth or our Facebook or our gossip in some negative way to talk about somebody. And Lord, we need to get that fixed today. We pray that you would help us to be childlike forgivers. Lord, I, I, childlike forgive. Can you just see that child that is not thinking about all the ramifications? He's just saying, I'm sorry. Forgive me, please. That's us. Forgive us. Forgive us for how we thought, how we've acted. Um, we pray that Whatever that situation is, whatever the magnitude, however we speculated it out, however we thought about it, we pray that today in this room that you would help us to forgive that person in our life. Whether they ever receive it or want to talk about it, at this point we're not worried about that. All we're doing is telling you as your children, we forgive them. We truly forgive them you just ask him to help you to forgive that person in your life, it is accomplished. Lay it down. Give it to him and walk out of here free. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for what you've taught us today. Help us to live our lives in the church, in the family of God, according to these truths of Matthew 18. Thank you for what you did here just now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.